Our scripture reading this morning as we prepare to hear from Chris is from John chapter 3 and I'll be reading verses 1 to 21 and I'm using the English Standard Version. John 3, 1 to 21. This is what the Word of God says. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you, not, you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Thank you, Warren and Joanna. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know me, my name is Chris Cullen and it's my privilege to serve as one of the pastors here at WDBC and to be bringing us the message today. Last week um, we looked at, oh, I'll just uh, go through here, we're, we're doing a series on what is the church and we're up to born of the spirit. Last week we had the first sermon in the Born of the Spirit um, theme, and we looked at the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit of the church, and what does it look like to be a spirit-filled church. And this week, we're doing Born of the Spirit part two, and we're pressing in deeper to what does it mean for us to be born of the Spirit. So let's pray together. 
Lord God, we come today to learn from your word, to be challenged by your Holy Spirit, that we may go from here changed. May our hearts and minds be ready to receive all that you have to say to us today. And may you be glorified in your church as you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, the big idea today, Christians are born and not made. You've probably heard that sort of a line before about leaders. It's a very commonly used phrase about leaders. Leaders are born and not made. And then there's this big debate where people say, well, no, actually, leaders are made. You know, it's, it's about what you do, about the learning that you have. Um, and today, I, I want to say very unequivocally that this passage in John, and as we look at the breadth of scripture about the church and the Holy Spirit, about individual people and how we become Christians, it's very clear that Christians are born and not made. We're not born when our mum and dad conceived us and when we come into the world, we're born anew by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a, a quote from Edwin Hoskins in a commentary about John chapter 3, and he says, there is no evolution from flesh to spirit. You can't grow up and gradually do things to become better and better to somehow become a Christian. We are born of the Holy Spirit. It's a transformation that takes place in our lives. It's a one-off event, although there's ongoing transformation as we continue to grow. But it's not something that you can achieve by trying to become better and better as you go through your life. Unlike leadership, where in actual fact leaders can grow and become better and you can be a leader without being a born leader, you can't be a Christian without having been born of the Spirit. And as we look at this passage in John chapter 3, and, and today I will be looking around the broadness of scripture so we're not going to be anchored but if you want to keep your bible open somewhere or your your phone or device open somewhere keep it open at John chapter 3. We've got here this story of Nicodemus uh, who's a teacher of the law he's a Pharisee and remember Pharisees were the ones who were really keen to try and keep all the laws of God they were trying to make sure that they did the right thing they felt that it was very important because hundreds of years earlier when the Jewish people had not been following God properly the Jews you might recall were sent into exile in Babylon 
And when they came back from exile over a period of time, there developed this group called the Pharisees who were the ones who were saying, we never want to be in that position again where we're sent into exile. We want to be faithful to follow God. And the way that they tried to be faithful was by making sure that they did everything they could to obey the laws of God. So this is who Nicodemus is. He's a Pharisee and we're told that he was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, there's a sign of some respect that he called Jesus Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus, it's a comment really that Nicodemus makes and, and Jesus comes back with a comment that seems quite out of place and it's, it's sort of like Nicodemus is talking at this level and Jesus is talking at this level. And he says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then a little later he says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Fundamentally, Nicodemus has seen the signs that Jesus are doing and he's intrigued. He's intrigued enough to come to Jesus to say, you know, in effect, who are you? You know, he, he makes this comment, you, you look like you're a, a teacher come from God because the signs you do make it seem like God is with you. But Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is God himself come down from heaven. As we read later in the passage in verse 13, Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven except him who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. The Son of Man was a, a word that, uh, or phrase that Jesus used to refer to himself. And Jesus is saying, you see me and you see me as a teacher, but you're not really perceiving God's kingdom. Because if you really were perceiving God's kingdom, you would know that I am the Messiah, that I am the Christ, the Savior, that I am the one come from heaven to save you. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus something radical because what he's saying is no amount of pharisaical good works will get you to a point where you can see and perceive and enter the kingdom of God. There has to be a radical transformation. You must be born again of the Holy Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God, in order to see and perceive the kingdom of God. There must be an intervention of the Spirit of God in your life, Nicodemus. This is a theme, the idea of new birth is found elsewhere in Scripture. In Titus 3 verse 5, we read, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That word regeneration there in Titus 
is the same as what we have here for born again. It's the same idea. And in fact, what our English translations translate as born again might more clearly be said born from above or regenerated from above. Nicodemus, you need to be regenerated from above if you're ever to enter the kingdom of God. You can't get there based on your good works. Christians are born and not made. Earlier on in the book of John, when John is talking about Jesus, the the word of God come into the world, the light of the world come into the world, he says in John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, he says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are children born of God if we are Christians. That's the only way to become a Christian. There's um, some debate uh, around in verse 5, what it means, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, the debate around that, some people think Jesus is referring to the baptism of John. Um, some people think that Jesus is referring to physical birth versus spiritual birth. Um, I'd probably come down on the point of view that uh, Don Carson suggests in his commentary which is that it's, it's intended to be um, two words together that are meaning the same experience, born of water and the spirit, to mean you're born of the spirit. It's a, an extended way of ex- expressing that. And throughout the scriptures, there's a lot of links between water and spirit. Um, the whole idea of the spirit being poured out, what gets poured out? <laughs> water gets poured out of a jug, doesn't it? Um, We read in Isaiah 44, verse 3, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. It comes through in Ezekiel chapter 36, the the chapter before the passage that uh, Joanna read for us. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We can go into the the depth of the discussion about born of water and the spirit and what that means later. But for today, I'm going to suggest that that's just another way of saying born of the spirit. Unless we're born again, unless we're born from above, regenerated from above, unless we are born from the spirit, we cannot see, we cannot enter 
the kingdom of God. We cannot perceive it. And this comes then down to that verse in verse 8 where it says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born in the Spirit. We can see the effects of the wind, can't we? We, we see the leaves blowing in the breeze. Last weekend we went up to Bathurst and driving up, and it was a, a really windy day, and you could feel the wind pushing the car as you were driving. You ever had that experience? You can feel the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind itself. And the suggestion here that Jesus is making is that everyone who is born of the Spirit is like this. It's difficult for a person who's not a Christian to understand what motivates us, what drives us as Christians. Have you ever had someone in church say to you, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something? Non-Christian people, they they don't understand. What does that mean? How, How can you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something? And, and people might look at Christians at all the good works that they do in the world and, and almost universally, non-Christian people completely misunderstand the motivation of Christians doing good works because they think that the good works that we do as Christians are things that we're trying to do to be good enough to be received into heaven. Whereas the true motivation behind our good works is the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we come to God's word and and it convicts us by the power of the Holy Spirit that that we ought to be living in a certain way in order to follow Christ. And so, to be a Christian, to be part of the church, is to be born again, to be born from above, to be regenerated from above by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a transformational event. And it might be that you say, well, I don't remember that taking place in my life because I grew up in a Christian home and and I believe that's okay. (laughs) You don't have to remember the event in your life. You don't remember the day of your birth, do you? But know this, that if you are a believer, that you have been born again by the Spirit of God. Okay, that's a long intro, isn't it? And... Don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed. Uh, The three points of my sermon, we're going to move through these fairly quickly. Um, Those who are born of the Spirit, Christians, uh, I want you to understand three things that it means for us to be born of the Spirit. The first thing is that your birth defines your essence. The second thing is that your birth displays your heritage. And the third thing is that your birth determines your allegiance. 
Your birth defines your essence. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Christians, we are different now than we were before we became Christians. We are spirit. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and that's symbolic for darkness. Nicodemus is in darkness when he comes to Jesus. He can't see who Jesus really is. And at the end of the passage that Warren read for us, we we read, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. You see, before a person becomes a Christian, they don't love the light of God because their deeds will be exposed. Have you ever been in a place of true darkness? I'm not talking spiritual darkness here. Have you ever been in a place where it truly is completely pitch black? Many years ago, when I was 15, I went on a a boys' brigade um, camp in New Zealand. It was a 10-day camp, and I spent most of those 10 days doing caving, where you go into the ground, into the caves, and you explore the caves. You see the stalagmites, the stalactites. And we were doing this one cave, which is a river cave, and there was a, a river that was about waist deep, and it was running through this, this sort of tall, um, narrow chasm. And we're walking along the river in this narrow chasm with our hands touching the walls either side, and we had our miners-type lamps on. And the leader said to us, we're going to all turn our lamps off and just keep walking by feeling the sides of the cave wonderful experience when you turn all of your lights off and you're in a cave it's pitch black complete darkness and we walked along for a while and he said to us be very quiet and in the darkness and in the quietness all of a sudden there's a tiny little light on the ceiling, a glow worm. I don't know if you've ever seen one glow worm, how small, how minute the amount of light is that one glow worm emits. But in the the quietness, gradually other glow worms started to glow. And even with the tiniest bit of light, as our eyes adjusted, we could see. When light comes into a dark room, there's a total transformation. It it is no longer dark. You might say, well, it's still mostly dark. Well, once your eyes adjust, you can see with even the tiniest bit of light because there's a total change. Nicodemus 
comes to Jesus by night, he cannot truly perceive or see who Jesus is because he needs to be transformed by God. But what we read at the end of that passage in verse 21, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. When we are transformed by God, when we're born again, we become people whose heartbeat is to see the light, is to come to the light, is to allow our deeds to be exposed by the light, rather than running away and trying to hide our deeds in the darkness, we allow ourselves to come to the light of Jesus so that our deeds can be exposed and we are cleansed by him. What a picture of transformation. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, a a verse that um, sort of hit me about 12 months ago, we read, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I was really struck by this phrase, we belong to the day. Because it's so easy, and I don't know about you, but if you grew up in the church, you probably grew up with this picture of us as sinners saved by grace, right? That's true, we are sinners saved by grace. The Bible tells us that before Christ comes into our lives, we are slaves to sin. We can't get away from it, we are in bondage to sin. But when Jesus comes into our lives, that slavery is gone, we are no longer slaves to sin, we've been transformed from within by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are no longer sinners saved by grace. We are sort of, but we're not really, because we belong to the day now. Amen? We belong to the day Jesus has made us a new creation in Christ and so often as Christians, this has been my journey and it might be yours too, we we struggle with our sinful nature and we're, we're so caught up by our sin that we we define ourselves as sinners. But Jesus came that we might now define ourselves as saints, saved by him, a new creation in Christ, with a new song in our hearts. Are we living as those who belong to the day? Or are we living as those who still think that we're slaves to sin? You're not a slave to sin anymore if the Holy Spirit has come in and transformed your life. Don't live as if you're a slave to sin. Live as if you're a son of God or a daughter of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read this. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's speaking to Christians here. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. 
I'm a funeral director, you know that, like when I'm not pastoring, I bury people. I've never been to an exhumation, but I believe it's quite uh, something to behold because when they pull that coffin up and often the coffin's deteriorated, all that's left are dead and dry bones. Those dry bones, they're not going to inherit the imperishable. We shall all be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Isn't that tremendous? This mortal body... (laughs) We're not just mortals anymore. If Jesus has come into our lives, if we've been born by the Holy Spirit, we are immortals. Not by anything we've done. Nicodemus, you can't put those good works on top of one another to get there. You must be born again. Are you still living like a slave to sin? We belong to the day. Live as one who's been born anew from above. Secondly, your birth displays your heritage. Uh, You know the old saying, you can choose your friends but you can't choose your relatives. Uh, Maybe you don't know that saying. Hello? Um, Let's try it again. Uh, You know the old saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your relatives. Yes. Okay. Uh, Well, let me just ask you now to look at the people either side of you, because these are your sisters and brothers. We're born of the Spirit. We share that heritage. We are the family of God, the body of Christ. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are daughters and sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as daughters and sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are children of God. And those other Christians here in this church, the ones that maybe you find difficult to get along with, they're your brothers and sisters. They're going to be with you in heaven for a long, long time. Better start loving them now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, 
Are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves, he says, are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. I wonder if you were going to start, you know, if you had to move for work or something and you, you moved far away from the Hawkesbury and you couldn't come to Windsor District Baptist Church anymore and you started going to another church, would your fellow brothers and sisters here write to that other church and say, they themselves are a letter of recommendation? Does our conduct in the body of Christ reflect the fact that we are born of the Spirit together that we are daughters and sons of the same family, that we are siblings with one another? Do we love one another as the Spirit would have us? Have you ever listened to the voice of the Spirit in relation to your brothers and sisters? You know, it's easy to come to church week by week and, and just come and sit and sing the songs and listen to the message and say hello to a few people, have a little chat and go home. But have you ever come to church and prayed a prayer, Lord, by your spirit, prompt me who I should speak to today. Lord Jesus, who needs a word of encouragement today? Spirit, is there someone that I can get alongside of we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit we talked about that earlier in our series the, the gifts the, we're part of a body everyone has different gifts but they're all there to be used for the common good for building up the body of Christ Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt you to grow in the fruit of the Spirit in relation to your brothers and sisters? Are you showing love to them? Are you demonstrating patience with them? Joy, peace, kindness. When was the last time you were kind to someone at church goodness gentleness self-control your birth displays your heritage so live like a daughter or son of God and finally your birth determines your allegiance In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. We're in a battle. The flesh and the Spirit war within our souls. Thanks be to God, Jesus has already won the victory. We're no longer slaves to sin. 
But make no mistake, we are in spiritual warfare. But because you are born of the Spirit, your allegiance is to God. Because we are born of the Spirit, we are able to to be as those who demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. In going on with this verse in Galatians, the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we've been born of the Spirit, our allegiance is not to those things. Our allegiance is to God and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit. If we've been born again by the Holy Spirit then we should walk day by day, step by step with the Spirit. Remember, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then we have that wonderful passage where we're told to put on the armor of God. Our allegiance is to Christ. We've been born again by the Spirit. We're given the tools of our warfare. The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation. The shield of faith. And finally, I want to come just at the end of the message to this chapter in Ezekiel that Joanna read. Some of you might know that I sign my emails, by God's grace we are dry bones dancing. Ezekiel 37, it doesn't actually talk about bones dancing there, but it's a pretty good picture of life, isn't it? Here's these dry, dead bones that cannot inherit immortality and like the picture of God breathing into Adam he formed Adam of the dust in we read in the book of Genesis and he breathed life into him here Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy to the wind so I prophesied as I was commanded And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, 
Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Friends, when we become Christians, we are part of God's family, we are part of his army, and God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, breathes his spiritual breath into us. We are no longer slaves to sin. Our essence has been changed. We are a new creation in Christ. We can perceive things at the spiritual level. We've been brought out of darkness into light. We've been transformed. And we together as the body of Christ, as God's people, as those who are born of the Spirit, we are an army. I had a friend who'd become a Christian a little, uh, sort of in midlife, and I was walking with him in his Christian journey, and he had a, a great burden for his parents who were not believers, so much so that he would, he would go with them to, to another church where they went, but they went because of cultural reasons, not because of a sense of personal belief. And over a period of time, several years, I kept saying to him, you're trying to do this all on your own. You want your parents to become Christians, but it's, it's not your job alone. You need to, to actually get together with other Christians. Come to, to our church or go to another church where they preach the word of God and get together with the other members of your army. Get together with the other people who want to minister and reach out to your parents as well. To my knowledge, he's not done that. I pray that he will, I pray that he will. But we're not meant to be isolated individual Christians. We're a family. We have the same heritage. We're an army. We're meant to work together. When one struggles, when one falls down, the one walking beside can lift her up, can lift him up. Will you fight for your king? Will you fight against the warring nature within you for your king Jesus? Will you take up the weapons of warfare, the armor of God, the word of God? Will you allow the spirit to direct you? We're born of the spirit and our birth defines our essence. Our birth displays our heritage and it determines our allegiance. Let's pray. Lord God, may we be people who follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Other people may look at us and not understand what's going on, but we ask that we may be those who hear your voice through your word and through your spirit and act upon it.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.